You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Kurana. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you as you listen. If you'd like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. So this morning, um, this morning we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be discussing true freedom, what it means to be free in Christ, what it means to have a free spirit. We're going to differentiate between our free will and living in freedom, okay? So uh, why don't we pray before we turn to the word? Um, All right, yeah, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father God, I just thank you uh, for everybody that's here this morning. I thank you that we can gather here, God, at Parkway Church, uh, knowing that we serve a God that answers us when we cry out to him, that heals us when we're sick, and that speaks to us when we're in need. God, I just pray that as we turn to your word right now, that um, you would uh, cut any distractions out of this room. We hold our thoughts captive. Lord God, I pray that this message this morning, God, that you would uh, use me where I'm weak, and that it would come forth with authority today, and that you would speak right to people's hearts today, Lord. I believe you've put this message on my heart, Lord, and I just pray that you, uh, that you would anoint our ears to hear and our, anoint our hearts to receive it this morning. And everyone in the house said... Amen. So freedom. For some reason, I think um, when I hear the word freedom, I often think of like a bald eagle flying over an American flag with fireworks going off. When I hear the word freedom, uh, maybe you think that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe you think of um, some of the movements that in the past that brought nations or a group of people freedom. There's many different definitions and manifestations of freedom. Uh, And we're going to talk about spiritual freedom. Um, And I think a lot of Christians believe they're living in freedom, but we're actually living in captivity. I think a lot more of us are living in captivity than we think. Um, Let's go all the way back in the Bible to Genesis. Adam and Eve, okay, the first two people in the world, Adam and Eve knew true freedom. Adam and Eve knew what it was to fellowship with the Lord, to be able to walk freely around the garden with God himself. That's that's how we were designed. That is true freedom. And the thing is, is Adam and Eve had free will, but it was different than walking in freedom. And I'll explain that. Adam and Eve had true freedom by walking in the garden with the Lord. They could see the Lord They could talk with him. They could do whatever they wanted with God. But the moment that Adam and Eve chose their free will and activated what their flesh wanted, that's when things went south. They lost their freedom. When they acted on their free will and not within God's will, they lost their freedom. The freedom that they once knew, the Bible says, when you translate it from the Greek, they actually became spiritually dead. You can't live in freedom if you're spiritually dead. So when Adam and Eve turned away from God's will and turned to their own, they became spiritually dead. And the truth about our freedom as Christians is that um, we as believers are always bound to something. We're either bound to God and we're bound to Christ's will, and we're bound to his law, or we're bound to our own things. 
which means we're bound to sin, bound to consequences, to guilt, shame. We're always bound to something. Um, and a lot of the time, we mistake our free will for freedom. Oh, well, I, I have free will. I can do what I want, and that's what freedom is. It's not. Let, um, if, you, if you break the law, let's say, um, let's say Johnny Tulips is kind of ticking you off at work a little bit. You know, your supervisor, he's been annoying you, and you just want to sock Johnny Tulips right in the face, but you end up killing him, okay? This is a little dark example, but you end up accidentally killing Johnny Tulips, and you think, I had the freedom to just kill him because he was annoying me. Yeah, you, you, made, you made a decision out of your free will, but you've lost your freedom now because you're bound to prison for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? What disguised itself as a, as a choice that you can make with your free will has lost you all of your freedom, and you are now bound to prison for the rest of your life. Our spirits are no different. We like, we like to make decisions thinking, oh, well, you know, God's given me the freedom to do what I want. Well, you're going to be bound to sin. You're going to be bound to consequences, guilt, shame, all of those things. And I think a misconception about our free will is that um, is, is about freedom, sorry, is that we have the freedom to do something, or we have freedom to this. But maybe f our freedom is actually from something, not to something, right? We are free from sin. Whenever, if you, if you read the Bible, very rarely does the Bible say, as Christians, God's freedom, you are free to free to. It's usually you're free from sin. You're free from the law of sin and death. You're free from guilt instead of being free towards something that our flesh wants. Um, I have it up on the screen. Romans uh, 6, 1 to 2. Uh, many of you will know this verse. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it anymore? Because we've died to sin, so we are free from it. God's intention was for us to rely on him fully and to live lives free of sin, not have to be bound to it anymore. Because again, we're always bound to something. We're bound to our law and our way, or we're bound to God's law. And we know where both of those things take us. And Obeying God leads us away from these things. Again, sin has a way of wrapping itself in a nice box. You know, I think that sin has a way, and, and, the, and things of the world that lead us away from God have a way of wrapping themselves in a nice, nice gift box, but it's just lumps of coal inside, ultimately. They just leave us empty. They look so good and so satisfying. It's like when you see a gift on the table with your name on it, you're just so excited about it. It looks good. It feels good to like rip the wrapping paper off, then it's just nothing inside. And that's what sin does. And God's law, although God's law looks like it's binding, it's the sin and the things of the world that are binding. And the thing is, is as long as we live in these sinful bodies, we will sin. And we will have the effects of the curse on our bodies. So, if, if, if you're contending for a healing in your body, 
Stop sinning in your body. Don't be bound to sin anymore. Why do we have sickness? Of course we have sickness because we live lives that are bound to the law of sin. Of course we have sickness. You know, why do we have problems in our relationships, marriages, friendships? Well, because we're bound to insecurities. We're bound to bitterness, anger, because we're not walking fully in God's law. You know, how would we ever receive healing for a sickness if we're inviting sin into our body every day, right? It's like, it's like expecting, it's like taking medication for diabetes and then eating ice cream for dinner every day and, and breakfast, right? It's like inviting sin into your life and saying, God, why is this, why is this sickness in me? Because you're bound to it because of the decisions you're making. And it's not that God punishes us, it's just that the more sin we allow in our life, the more that the effects of sin have on us. And we are, as believers, we are designed for freedom. Again, God's goal for humanity was to walk in that perfect Garden of Eden with him. God's intention for humanity was to walk within God's will, and enjoy God. We were meant to enjoy God. We were meant to not have to worry about sin, not to have to suffer from sicknesses, not to have to worry about the consequences of our actions because we were meant to fully walk with Jesus hand in hand and enjoy him and enjoy abundant life. There's a man uh, named John Piper. Most of you have probably heard of him. Um, I like John Piper. I think he wouldn't know a joke if it hit him in the face, but I think he's a, I think he's a good preacher. John Piper puts it this way, okay? John Piper said um, in a message, the freest people on the planet are the ones who do exactly what they like to do, but not have to suffer in hell for it. I'll say it again. The freest people on the planet are the ones who get to do exactly what they like to do, but not have to suffer in hell for it, okay? Freedom is, is he also, uh, in, another, um, in another article, John Piper said, freedom is being able to do what you want and never have to regret it, never have to suffer consequences for it. So what does he mean by that? He means true freedom is when Exactly what we want and exactly what our heart desires is what God's heart desires. When you can match your desires with God's desires, you will never have to suffer for your choices. You might have to suffer some of the consequences here on earth, but you don't have to eternally suffer for it. You don't have to suffer guilt. You don't have to suffer shame because the freest people are the ones who can do exactly what they want and it lines up with what God wants. You guys tracking with me there? Wouldn't it be awesome to be able, wouldn't it be awesome to have the ability to fulfill exactly what you want to do? You can wake up and say, I want to do this today and do it. And instead of reaping negative consequences, you can reap blessing, provision, favor, uh, joy, abundant life peace? 
Wouldn't you like to be able to do whatever the heck you want to do and enjoy it instead of having to do exactly what you want to do and know that you've sinned and feel the consequences of sin on your life and not have to suffer for it in any way at all. That is true freedom. And once freedom is defined, I think we as Christians can properly gauge where we are and how free we are actually living. Because I don't think Christians are as free as they think, right? The problem is, is the Old Testament says that the law shed light on sin, but it didn't solve sin. So the people in Jerusalem, or sorry, in Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they knew what God's law was. So when they sinned against it, the law wasn't able to cover them for their sins. It just showed them how wrong they were. And how much do we live like that? Right? We know what God's word says, but we just don't care. You know, we, we think, you know, I've, I've followed God here and here, and I'm in line with what God wants in this area. He is not having this area. And we think that that's a form of freedom because we get, the, we, we get to choose what we do with that area in our life. Because that's my free will that God's given me, which he has given you. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is your choice, but you're not living in freedom. Because that area of your life doesn't have God's blessing on it. Because God's blessing is what brings true freedom. So when we withhold from God, it disguises itself as being, as, it disguises free will as freedom. And that's not true. Again, I'll say it again. When we look at Adam and Eve, Eden, the Garden of Eden was supposed to be our purpose. The second that man chose his will over God's will, Sin got invited into the world, and look what happened. But if Adam and Eve had continued to walk in God's will, and they made sure that they aligned their wants with God's wants, they could have still been living in that to this day. It's incredible. I think, I think, I think we don't live as free as we think we do. I want you to think for a second... Um, I want you to actually think practically in your life. If you, everything you did this morning, what if you sought God's will for every single thing that you did this morning and obeyed him? And we're only at 11 o'clock in the morning. It would probably look a lot different. You might have been able to bless somebody that you didn't think you would have been able to bless. You might have missed out on an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. Who knows? I don't know. But your life would look a lot different. And that would be living in true freedom. Freedom is actually meant to be enjoyed. And I kind of touched on that earlier. God designed us to enjoy him in his presence and his goodness. Now, God's law sometimes, and I, I find this sometimes with, with teenage students, with new Christians, God's law can look restrictive. Right? It's like, oh, well, Pastor Mitch, you tell me that when I give my life to Jesus, that's when I'll be able to walk in true freedom. But I'm not allowed to do this. I can't do this. I can't do that either. And you want me to give this up? That's not freedom. God's law looks restrictive on the outside. But it's the path that leads us to freedom. 
again, what the flesh says is captivity. Our spirit knows it as freedom. When we read the New Testament, we see Jesus speak in parables a lot, right? Like the parable of the sower, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the, the talents. There, there's tons of them. And what was cool about the parables is that for people that wanted to understand them, there was a truth hidden in them. But for people like the Pharisees, the, the parables looked ridiculous. They didn't make any sense. They didn't apply to anything. They, they, they meant nothing. And God's law looks like that too. When you, when you dig into God's will and what God wants for your life, you actually find that there's life in it. There's sustenance in it. There's joy in it. But on the outside, it just looks restrictive. It looks like rules. It looks like things that you have to sacrifice that you don't deserve, that you don't deserve to have to sacrifice. It looks like, you know, your hard-earned money, you have to give that up. Your time, you don't have enough time in the day. Why would I, why would I do that? I don't have time for that. Because God's law looks restrictive. It looks like God's trying to suck the fun out of your life. And he's sucking the blessing out of your life. And, and that's not how it is. It's very much like the parables. When you dig deep and you follow them and you apply them, there is so much life in it. Our flesh, here's the thing about our flesh, okay? Our flesh likes to sell us short a lot of the time. Our flesh, our flesh has this little con, con game going on. It tells us that it needs this and it needs it now. It often tells us, hey, man, hey, Mitch, hello. Like, you know, when I'm hungry, I'm going out for sushi after today, and my stomach is already like, hey, hello, I'm ready. We're like, what are we doing? Our flesh likes to con us and tell us that we need things now, and we need them our way. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 25. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you could open it up to there. Um, we're going to read about Jacob and Esau and how Esau, his flesh conned him. You know, our flesh likes to look at God's law and say, that's not satisfying. You're going to tell me that being generous and following what God wants is satisfying? Your flesh is always trying to pull you toward satisfying yourself instead of what God wants for your life. Our flesh, again, cons us. It's a little con artist, and we'll see why. Excuse me. So we're going to go Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. And uh, this is um, the story of Jacob and Esau. And uh, most of you are probably familiar with it. And we're going to see why Esau was a dum-dum, okay? So, <laughs> unfortunately, though, I think it's going to open our eyes up as well as we read it, how we can sometimes be a little bit like Esau or a lot bit like Esau, once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. When Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, by the way, I don't think this is worth lentil stew. Are you kidding me? Maybe if it was like beef barley soup, but not lentil. Gross. He ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. 
Esau's flesh conned him. Esau's own self convinced him that he was going to die in that moment and drop dead if he didn't have that lentil soup, right? Now, and it, it, this isn't necessarily like, I don't know if this was a good idea what Jacob did. I think it's a little sneaky and disrespectful. But for those of you who don't know, um, back in the Old Testament time and in their culture, the oldest son would get the birthright, would get a big inheritance. And Esau was willing to give up his inheritance for a bowl of bean soup. How often does our flesh do that? When we're tempted with something, it says, no, 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 don't worry about what God wants. You need this now. Esau lost his birthright for a bowl of stew because his spirit convinced him he was going to die if he didn't eat this stew. How, like, when you read it, it sounds so stupid, if I'm allowed to say the word stupid on stage. It's, it's stupid. Our flesh believes that happiness comes from satisfying the flesh. I think we as Christians mix up happiness and joy. We're not meant to live in happiness all the time, but we are meant to live in joy, right? Joy is a choice. Happiness is an emotion. Our emotions change. There is no way to live in happiness all the time. Our flesh believes that our happiness is going to come when we can do whatever we choose to do because of our free will. Joy comes when we can do whatever we want, and whatever we want lines up with what God wants. And our decisions and our will do not lead us down a path of sin. Our free will leads us to perceived freedom, but our spirit knows that is bondage. So in your life, what small satisfaction are you trading for freedom? I want you to actually think to yourself right now, practically. What's the bowl of soup that you're trading for your, for your spiritual freedom? What are you holding on to? What are you, what are you indulging in? Or what are you satisfying your flesh with in exchange for true freedom? Walking in wholeness and obedience is going to bring you pure joy because you're walking in God's will. Do we truly believe as a church and as Christians that God is for us and wants us to live a life of joy and peace and in abundance with him? Or do we actually secretly believe that that's a boring life and that's not a fun life and that's a life that I don't really want to bother with, but when I come to church and sing about it, I'll pretend that I do? Because if we actually believe that God's will will bring us liberation and will bring us joy, wouldn't we walk in it a lot more often? If we actually believe that God could heal us, wouldn't we stop inviting sin into our bodies? Wouldn't we turn to God first instead of looking to other things? If we actually believed it? You know, I've heard a pastor say that Christians are the biggest liars when they're in worship service. Myself included. I'm no different. We, we, we come up here and you know, we say things like, you know, God for us, nothing can come against us. Do we really believe that? Because we would follow in God's will if we did. So how do you experience true freedom uh, in, in closing here? You, you align your will with the Lord's. Again, when 
and, and I'll come back to it. I know I've repeated myself a lot today. I read an article, by the way, by Carrie Newhoff that says good pastors repeat themselves. So this is good. I'm doing something right. You know, sometimes, how many of us know we can be like children? Spiritually, we can be like children. We have to be told a thousand times the same thing. I can read the same passage of scripture 1,000 times and the thousand and first time. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, that makes sense. It is true. It's absolutely true. God will always guide you to spiritual freedom when you follow his will because that's his will for you. God designed us to live with him in that utopia of Eden. That's where we were designed. And we can't experience that fully on earth because we're living in a world of sin. But the more that we follow God's will and the more we walk in true freedom and lessen our free will, the more freedom you are going to have from sin, from guilt, from condemnation, from sickness, from bitterness, from anger. So in order to align your will with God's and make sure that what you want is what God wants, is you have to discover who God is. We have to read the word. We have to find out who God is by reading about who Jesus is. You want to know who God is? Read the Gospels. He walked on this earth. He did ministry when he was 30. His name was Jesus. That's who God is. Start to think, um, start to wear a WWJD bracelet again, you know? I'm just kidding. You know those bracelets that what would Jesus do? <laughs> um, remind yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? God, what are you calling me to when I'm here? Jesus, how... What is your will for me in the situation so I can walk in freedom knowing that I made the choice that God wants me to make? Freedom is knowing that you made the right choice. And I'm going to talk about coffee for a minute. I just want to thank Jesus for coffee for a second. Here's the thing. Everybody here, most of you probably know that I'm a, I'm a coffee geek, Okay, I've gone probably even further than a coffee. I was a coffee geek a few years ago. I, 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 I'm still surpassing that. I work part-time at a coffee roastery and cafe, and I just went to a class where we do cupping and smell the different notes in coffee. It's a little ridiculous, okay? I, I'm aware. It's my thing. But here's the thing. I love coffee. I love the flavor of it. Um, the place I work at has this Ethiopian coffee that is a grade one, and when you drink it, I thought I was just going to drop dead in that moment. I was like, N I can't think of anything better that could happen to me on this earth. And I was like, I've arrived. Like, I have arrived. The Lord said he'd pour out his last spirit, his spirit in the last days, and it's right in this cup. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Um, here's the thing, though. Coffee's an acquired taste. I didn't like it the first time. I used to drink Maxwell House. I used to be a sinner and enjoy Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> and it's an acquired taste. You, you end up drinking three cream and three sugar in it to start. Then you run out of sugar and you drink it with cream. And you're like, hey, that actually wasn't so bad. Then you're really late for school one day, so you grab it black. And you're like, oh, here we go. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't horrible. And you end up kind of enjoying the flavor of coffee, right? God's will is like that. 
at first, yeah, like the sacrifice kind of stinks because you're like, oh, wow, I'm giving all this to God. But then you start reaping the benefits of it. You start noticing, wow, there is a lot of freedom in life in this. And then you're going to start enjoying sacrificing. You're going to start enjoying giving God your time. You'll actually find joy in suppressing your flesh and saying, nope, 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 not what I want, and doing what God asks you to do. And what you want ends up becoming what God wants in your life. So enjoy God's favor on your life by walking in his will. So I guess I'll put a challenge out to you, a practical challenge. This week, as you're going through your life, try and catch yourself in moments when you, when you don't even have God on your mind at all. And it's not that, I mean, if you're working at a job, obviously you have to be focused on what you're doing. I mean, we can't like, and God didn't design us to like, be like, sorry, can't do my job, I'm praying all day. <laughs> but you should always, if, if you catch yourself in a moment where God isn't even on your mind or your radar, you're not even focused on your spirit, catch yourself and listen. Say, God, what's your will for me in this moment, for this hour, for this day? And I want you to write down, um, I encourage you students to write things down a lot, um, to take notes and messages, to write down if God speaks to you, because it's important, it's very important. Write down what God is speaking to you in those moments, what his will is for you, and begin to look at scriptures that back that up, or look at stories that, that can encourage you or give you uh, direction on how to go about what God is calling you to do. Pray into them. Don't just hear a message about God's will and throw it out the back door. Let's actually catch ourselves when God's not even on our mind, when he's not even on our radar, and seek his will. Because if God's not on your radar, if you don't wake up in the morning and surrender your day to God, and you're not aligning your thought, even it all starts with your mind. It starts with you consciously saying, God, I'm going to align my spirit with you. I'm going to align my mind with you. I'm going to obey you in my flesh today. If you can't start out with your mind, you're not going to make it. You're not going to walk in God's will. Okay? So let's pray. Thank you so much for listening to our message. We hope that it blessed and encouraged you. If you liked what you heard, we would love for you to come join us on a Sunday morning here in Karana at 10 a.m. at 551 Murray Drive. If you'd like more information on who we are as a church and as a community, you can visit our website at parkway church